This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. Hello, listeners, friends, family, loved ones. Uh, So last week, Aaron, uh, I didn't have an answer to a BTE question for you. You asked about... Adam Page tweeting about his mustache for a bit. I did correctly identify the scene, which was him in BTE sitting in a country western shirt with a mullet and mustache. It was, in fact, as we have been informed, a Tiger King reference. So I have now watched the Tiger King series, and I have uh, so I've caught up on all things BTE. If you have any other Tiger King inquiries, send them my way. I literally don't, Nate. I have no Tiger King inquiries. Okay, we'll have to throw it to Mike. I'm going to introduce Mike now. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's your old pal Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I have a lot of Tiger Tiger King inquiries, such as, oh, yeah. have you seen any of the NWA Texoma shows that he promoted? Uh, no, I know that uh, MRT, friend of the show, was watching them and has made them available. And I think maybe they're getting covered on the Bad Wrestling Podcast, uh, but I have not watch them uh of course because i do not watch old wrestling yeah yeah and i mean this is really old wrestling like this is the time period like after i left texas so it does have people that i watched growing up there that are all pretty bad the only two good people who came out of my scene at least out of this promotion when i followed it were lance archer and paul london so yeah if you want to see a wrestling paintball match i could point you to a link to watch it it is Pre, it was pre-cinematic wrestling, but it is like the first cinematic wrestling match, I would argue. All right. I do, I mean, not to do a whole aside on this, the cinematic wrestling thing, people have been pre-taping matches for a long time. You know, the fucking yeah. King of the Road match, the Junkyard Brawl in WCW. I'm sure there are far earlier examples. I just, you know, didn't watch them. Yeah. Uh, there's only been one good one, and that was, as I've mentioned on this show before, the Goldust uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper match the at WrestleMania. Back, the Backlot Brawl, I think. Backlot Brawl. Yes. Well, Dustin Rhodes really a pioneer of those because he's in the two of the ones you've mentioned already. Absolutely. I mean, and that was truly cinematic because it also featured the O.J. Simpson car chase. Yes. As was, part of the match. Was shot on the set of a movie, Backlot. A little, little on the nose there. Being a little cute with it. But it ended in the ring. Important well, that was really my issue, now that we are going totally aside on this. Sure, that was my issue with the, with the Firefly, Firefly Funhouse match. They should have just had it cut back to the ring for the pinfall so you could pretend it was an actual pinfall. Well, let me ask you this while we're on this topic. They had, of course, actual wrestling on BTE this week. They had two matches seemingly in their entirety on BTE. They were, they've both been added to cage match as actual AEW events. Uh, so I guess my questions are, 
is a match pre-taped for a vlog cinematic if it's bookended by other vlog bits and two is this going to count on the AEW official win-loss records well for the second we have to wait and see I mean we have not seen a Chiron for SEU or the Young Bucks since then so we don't necessarily know if that's so the do, case. You, do you think they should be on the AEW official win-loss records you know at this point sure <laughs> I mean, get, given the state of the world right now, if they want to count that for the win-loss records, have at it. I don't care. Aaron? Um, is it cinematic wrestling? No, of course not. Come on, Nate. Well, you know, then you're just making arbitrary distinctions about how much pre-tape effort distinguishes, you know, just a pre-tape match from a, uh, a cinematic match. Well, I, I guess the real distinction you're getting at is what's the difference between the Boneyard match and Gargano Ciampa from NXT? I suppose. Because, like, the, the Firefly Funhouse match is just not a wrestling match, right? If they had cut back to the ring and had the pinfall occur in the ring, would it count as a match? I mean, there's like, there was no physicality inside a wrestling ring. There was the, no, the finish was the, the mandible claw. He did, he did his finisher before the pin. It was in a wrestling ring. It was just shot like not a wrestling show. Yeah. I I just, I don't think that was a wrestling match. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm asking if it had ended with a pin inside the ring, you know, shot like a normal shot, like the rest of the show, would it be a wrestling match? I don't think so. Was The Rock versus Eric Rowan at the uh, at the WrestleMania that Mike wrote about? Was that a wrestling match? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> okay. There was like there was like less physicality in that than in the scene of Bray Wyatt match. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be in the ring, I guess, because I think the Boneyard match was a wrestling match. Yeah, it basically, was just a buried alive match that took place at a Boneyard. Yeah, it just it happened outside the ring, which you have all sorts of like Falls Count Anywhere type matches. So I buy that as a wrestling match. Yeah, just uh, to use the laziest uh, argument, it's just a slippery slope when you uh, start making these distinctions about how many edits and how many camera angles and uh, and so on have to go into a a match to make it no longer a match. Well, okay, I have to preface this by saying I haven't watched the NXT match and I don't intend on ever watching it. But I have seen some funny gifs on the the old TL. (laughs) I mean, are you to tell me you're not going to eagerly seek out a match that the whole focus about it was a wife hitting her husband in the balls and that being like the big swerve i mean that makes it vaguely uh, interesting to me fair enough fair enough but other than that um i'm not interested it's like an hour long or some shit isn't it so i don't want to watch that but it seems to me from what i've and this is all just based on discourse have not seen the match. Cannot best, be clear enough about that. Best way to make it informed. <laughs> it seems to me that there was a lot of like acting involved. It's like if you go back to the "I'm sorry, I love you" match. Yeah. But then you pre-tape that. I mean, you got like the like the uh, the hard close-ups on like them gently rubbing each other's hands. I don't know. I, I, I mean, guess. Yeah, I would so, have to watch the match, but I'm not going to. Right. There, I mean, that is like the natural inclination, right? Like, oh, there, you know, there's too much acting and too many edits and camera tricks or whatever in here. But it's like, 
All those things occur in a normal wrestling match. Like selling is acting. <laughs> Pro wrestlers are constantly true. acting. <laughs> okay, here's the difference. If you say while punching someone, don't ever talk about my wife again, it's a wrestling match. If you don't, it's not. Is that the that, is that in the right order? There's only been one wrestling match ever. Oh. That's my take. What match was that? Was that the match in question? The Boneyard match. Oh, okay. I didn't remember what, that, that piece of dialogue in particular. What did you guys think about the Boneyard match? Well, I, I haven't gotten to do any audio since I've watched the match, uh, so let's talk about don't it. Don't know, didn't see it. I, huh. I, uh, it, I wanted it to be worse. It was yeah. too competent. AJ is like, the, you know, the shit's in the ring now, to my understanding, but actually like uh, fully understands and embodies his character where he's like, I don't even, he's like some weird fusion of Michael Hayes and Kid Rock or whatever. Um, so he's entertaining in it. The Undertaker does the best like dialogue promo work that he's ever done in his life in that match. Cause he's, you know, he's the shits on the mic, but his, as you were uh, referring to the little dialogue snippets or whatever, the, you know, his little lines about, Hey, how old am I? That's like the most compelling stuff he's ever done as far as in dialogue. Um, it could have been. I wish it had been goofier and worse. I wish it had been closer to the Firefly Funhouse because that was like just pure wrestler brain nonsense in a way that I enjoyed. And you know, I get a great deal of pleasure out of the various perverted attempted pro wrestlings of the WWE. I feel like I I agree. It wasn't bad enough. It would have fit in on like a CW show. It's like, you know, the climactic scene of a, of a season. I don't know what kind of shows are on the CW. Is this, but... is this, what, uh, what's the, is this what Riverdale is? Sure, yeah. Is that it's what it's lot... even called? Fuck. This reminded me a lot of Riverdale. The Jughead show. <laughs> I have no clue. SB said, now Mike, you'll have a take on this. SB said it reminded her of the fight scene in the Foot Fist way. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the <laughs> landmark pieces of filmmaking and one of the greatest fight sequences of all time. She is dead right about about this, about a match I have not seen a single moment of. I'm just <laughs> glad we got to talk more about Jody Hill and, and also a, a dating bride here. So. But you, you are familiar with the Chuck the Truck fight scene. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Th- okay. th- th- that's a part of the Mike Spears cinematic universe canon right there, buddy. Well, it should be. It's a, it's a Carolina film. I mean, it's really like understanding, like, the humanity of the South. I feel like it, it's one of the films that gets it. It's like that winter's bone, uh, That's Miss- a good one. Mississippi burning. Uh, it, there's not a whole lot of really good, like South Florida films. Maybe the pest. I was going to say, Mike is extremely on brand right now because he's talking about Jody Hill. <laughs> he's wearing a tracksuit, and he's claiming like three different States <laughs> or regions at once. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's how I operate, man. Uh, oh, sorry. Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain. There's your South Florida movie. Oh, okay. How, yeah. how dare I forget Miami, Florida's like, auto, oh. like biggest auteur, Michael Bay. I mean, there's a great... I, I love Florida noir as a genre. Um, oh, absolutely. A, there's a shitload of that. I will also shout out Dave Barry's... The adaptation of Dave Barry's first fiction book, Big Trouble by Barry Sonnenfeld, is a fantastic and overlooked South Florida movie. It's like pure comic mayhem in like a Elmer Leonard sort of way. Uh, sure. But it, you know, the, the climax of it has a bomb on a plane. It was supposed to come out like September 11th or whatever. So it, it never got a real yeah. race. Underrated. I mean, 
Also, I mean, another like South Florida like film, uh, Wild Things. I mean, that's Ooh, pretty. Wild Things, nice. Yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> big Florida cool. noir. Big for Florida sure. noir. I was always yeah. disappointed that Bill Murray never came back for the many Wild Things sequels. Oh, oh, you mean the the direct DVD slash yes. Cinemax ones? Yes. Right. They got up to like Wild Things six or whatever, but could never get Bill Murray back. I think the ultimate Bill Murray career move would be to appear in Wild Things seven. <laughs> I mean, whoever is behind this, you got to call his voicemail. My biggest regret from the quarantine so far is not watching enough like very dumb, very bad movies. Other than the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. I've been watching uh, all the Philip Marlowe movies is what I attempted to do, except now I've got too many video games coming up on my plate. So it's going to be tough keeping that up this weekend. So what are you going to be playing now, A.B.? So, uh, Nate gave me a, a gentle roasting about Resident Evil 2 recently, and I was like, oh, yeah, i got to get back into Resident Evil 2. I'm so holding I'm you been, accountable, Aaron, is what I'm doing. I'm just trying to... I, this is what out. friends do. This is what friends do. Yeah. Well, I, I've been playing the shit out of it the past couple of days, and uh, I'm not very good at it. I get stuck regularly. I'm, like, really stuck right now. I've gotten myself out of being stuck, but now it's like, as I sit here right now, I can think of, like, Two little locks that I don't know the code for. I like uh, a twisty, twisty thing. I don't know the code for. Um, I don't have the little thing that turns the valve in the, the shower. I don't have the crank. There's some sort of crank. I don't have the thing that turns the crank. Um, I don't... Uh, in the library, there's the jack in the library that moves like the, the, the book things. I don't have the thing that operates the jack. Uh, but I've got all the rooms that are still red. I've gone into them. I've looked all over them. So are, are you talking about a lot of these, uh, you know, numerical codes, word codes that are, you're lacking for these locks? Yes, but also okay. just some literal tools I need to pick right. up somewhere. So, yeah, yeah those, are the, those are the tough ones. You know, back in the day, all video games were like, oh, you have to enter this word code and you have to go read books in, in game and read clues and pay attention to stuff to learn what the code is, which is like not how video games are really done anymore. Now it's just like, oh, it'll point you to the next objective and you go pick that up and come back and put it here and that's all for you. So it's really a, a throwback in that regard. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard for me. I, I don't have like I don't have video game brain at all. It's just not a, a world that I inhabit. Yeah, I, I can't recommend it. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to do now. I, I've gone back and tried to search all the rooms that are still red on the map and uh, haven't found anything new. So bad news for me. Best of luck. Thanks. Appreciate that. Okay. So I guess we'll actually do this uh, the show at this point. I mean, that was part of the show. We're leaving all that <laughs> in, of course. Oh, yeah. This is all saying in. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, All Elite Wrestling on this show. True story. We're going to talk about week 27 of Dynamite, what happened, the ratings. We're going to play Elite or Delete real quick. I want to run down how you can keep up with us. We're at Everything AEW on Twitter. You can find me at Aaron Like the Car, Nate at Epitasis, Mike at Fujiheya. You can subscribe to this podcast. Make sure that you do. You'll get it immediately as soon as it drops. You can search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, including Spotify. Uh, or you can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Give us a rating and a review if you're on the Apple Podcast app. And make sure you check out patreon.com slash everything elite. If you just need more, Aaron, Nate, and Mike. All right, 
elite or delete time. Hit the hit the lead in, Mike. Delete! Elite! Delete! Elite! All right. Excellent. Uh, Nate, it's customary. I start with you. What was your, your pick for your favorite thing of this week? I know what I it was. I don't know how this game to be customary, but of course, I have to take my victory lap. The elite performer component factor of this week's television was, of course, Dr. Britt Baker. DMD had a tremendous match with Hikaru Shida uh, and then had a tremendous promo to top it off. You know, face caked in blood, looking like a badass, still entertaining and funny. Um, you know, has, has become a meme for basically the second week in a row off of these performances. Uh, and, you know, just showed that in the right circumstances, she can uh, hang tough in this woman's division. So greatly enjoyed that. Um, and I, I was just had to appreciate, you know, I think it's a, it's important to appreciate what you have while you have it in another wrestling promotion. We would not have gotten the blood caked promo to camera where it's like establishing how much of a badass she is and getting her character over. Um, you know, they just sort of like, Oh, that blood never happened. We're going to clean you up and sew that up and ignore it forever. So it's like, thank God we got some pro wrestling ass blood on this show. Yeah, that match ruled. Britt has, or, or Britt stepped up and in a match scenario that probably was her best match in the promotion so far. And it's just the way that pretty much since the beginning of the year, how her character has kind of crystallized and how you could actually see confidence behind what she's doing that comes through in the ring. And then the match with uh, Hikaru Shida ruled and then she just gets it. And do I ever think she's going to be like the top women's wrestler in this company? No, but I think that she definitely now has a role, an unbelievable role, at least of now being the number one heel, and it doesn't feel out of place. This actually plays into my elite picks. I'm just going to do mine now, but my elite pick goes to whoever edited the Britt Baker segments on this show, turned this into a passable match, turned her promo into a passable promo. You just, you have to respect it. So big shouts to whoever edited this show. Rude. Okay. Rude. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Mike? So, I like the fact that maybe this is the whole pre-tape thing, and I've also seen this happen on Dark as well, but one of the big things that I thought that was kind of weird about the promotion, at least now we're like, we're now past the first year, the half year point for at least TV. We, we crossed that with week 27. The, over the last few weeks, I've noticed more and more they understand how to use the local talent better and like the enhancement talent better. And they know how to do squash matches in a way now that is, I think the Lance Archer and uh, Brody Lee match combined were like four minutes long and they were exactly what they needed to be. And they both the guys came out of those matches looking excellent. And I think that that's something that, as we're seeing that now Dark is a way to kind of goose up the records and make the even your lower card guys look better they, they finally kind of figured out how to do these ancillary matches that don't really matter in the great, greater scheme of things but do matter and how you present people how you build people up and like how people get ring time and i think like especially the last few weeks that's been kind of impressive especially given what's going on right now yeah i've really enjoyed that they're setting up like even their underneath guys like their qts or whoever to get 
wins over, you know, enhancement talents. Just really old school pro wrestling stuff that tickles me. Just like, yes, I love seeing a local talent get beat by the guy at the bottom of this card. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, and I, I hope that it uh, portends well for the future because we're going to be seeing a lot of this over the next eight weeks or whatever as we uh, get closer, allegedly, to double or nothing, if that happens. Okay, I, that literally was my elite pick. That was not a bit. So, uh, Nate, we'll move <laughs> on to you. That was definitely a bit. You can't say yeah, that was a, a bit. bit. No, I, I, I mean it. I believe it. I don't believe you when you said that you believe it. I stand by it. I believe it. Uh, my delete. I'm just saying she, she's had like issues. Even if Nate, you, and and some other uh, judgment judgmentally challenged people have uh, liked her promos of late, they've still had plenty of bad parts to them. And this was like legitimately good. And so I literally, I really I mean, think was, they just they, they cleaned it, it around up. This promo it was a one shot promo. I don't think so. I think they cleaned it up. Could have been several takes. That's why the blood was dry, Nate. <laughs> oh, so you're a blood a blood dry truther is what you're saying is yes. if we go through it like this yeah, okay she was she was still dripping wet blood when she walked out of that ring well yeah because like they had time then to like pat down the blood man i mean what do you think you're gonna do when you bust yeah. open your nose in between takes that's what i'm saying so maybe i and i'll admit i've, a, I've had a long week and i watched this thing not live i watched the thing taped up are you saying that during this stand-up that they had, this one shot, they had different takes in a place where I did not notice any camera edits whatsoever on that the blood was wet at one point, fresh, and then completely dried in other ones? He's just saying I'm they saying, shot the promo multiple times. Yes. But that's, that's like... That there were no edits that I saw. There no, were no cuts. Just, she did it multiple times, is all he's saying. Well, there was definitely an edit between what happened right before this and what happened once the anyway, promo that's started. Not, that's that's what not I'm a saying. real criticism. Doing multiple takes is not a... Anyway, all right. Uh, my not. delete, my delete, is um, like two spots in the Michael Nakazawa match. It like worked, you know. The match worked. It was fun. It wasn't the main event. It was, you know, their comic relief undercard thing. Um, the you know, and I'm I'm even mostly fine with the baby oil. The ultimate venom arm. I've never really been a big fan of it. First of all, it's gross. This is, of course, the spot where Michael Nakazawa takes his jock strap out from under his uh, briefs, puts it on his arm, and then puts it on his opponent's face, uh, which I actually have on a uh, King of Pro Wrestling New Japan trading card. Um, but it's gross. I don't like it. It's uh, too. It, it 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 crosses the line of being too silly. I think. And really just, it's doubly gross in a time when we're supposed to be sanitary and hygienic. It's like, why are we pretending in their sketches and their promos that everybody's going to stand apart from each other? They're going to greet each other by hitting each other on the elbows. And then they go out here in the ring and the guy like puts his jock on the other guy's face. Um, it did it did amuse me that he did a ripcord version of it, like a Rainmaker Venom arm. But yeah, that was my delete. That was, you know, just, just sort of takes you out of the show a little bit. I wasn't like, maybe it is like the kind of comedy that I do like in wrestling, but this match was not as funny for me. And I can admit that it's probably like, I'm not a DDT person. I like the toe. I like kind of the stuff that you'll see on Tokyo Joshi pro, but like main vein DDT comedy does, has never worked for me. So like, I kind of felt like 
that this was very much like that vein of comedy versus like actual like wrestling comedy and that and it just kind of was like that and then also i don't know i, I thought it was more kind of funny that the fact that we got on national basic cable the phrase hentai like that was that was great but that was like, great I did pop use that, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I do even like the DDT comedy that's like absurd, surrealist stuff or whatever amuses me. But the the jockstrap to the face is like Dan Choco Dino comedy, and that's just like this is very base. I like to pretend I'm like not at this level where this is the funniest fucking thing in the world to me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very base person, so I really enjoyed this. I thought it was fun. I mean. It's like you've you've got to break the monotony of these like empty room wrestling matches one after oh, totally. another. So totally. I thought this really helped with that. The uh, I thought they did a great job of kind of playing with the baby oil spot and then using it as like him not being able to chop Nakazawa. That was funny. Yeah, even the baby oil stuff I can like if that's gonna that's his gimmick, then it's like, okay, we're gonna let him do his gimmick and that's gonna be you know, how far we push it. And probably would have gone better. Oh, gone over better with the crowd but yeah it's just you know somewhere in there is where i draw the line i mean they need to hire the best comedy wrestler of all time hollywood soccer chikawa and get him in there like you could just do a whole entire series of soccer chikawa versus kenny omega matches and those will be the most highest rated things on tv like what who's who's going to talk about the this is your life segment when you have hollywood soccer chikawa versus kenny omega version 30 like that's going to take over the wrestling world I don't have a take on that. <laughs> all right. All. So, um, who do my... I think is the best comedy wrestler in the world? I do. Hollywood Stalker's up there for sure. I, I'm sorry. His current name is Konamawa Ichikawa. He lost his mask and then stole it back, and he lost his name, so he had to change his name. But yes, Stalker Ichikawa. Right. This, this is probably like a like a bad pick. Somebody would. Somebody's like, oh. I mean, this is showing my age. So I'd be like, oh, like Jim Carrey, I think, is the funniest actor, you know. But, like, Toru Yano is very good as a comedy wrestler. I'm a big Yano fan. You know, the he picks would be, if, if, we went, if we went back in time, like, 18 months, then I would say, oh, it's Orange Cassidy. And everybody would be like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. It's Orange sure. Cassidy. But now that's, like, very basic pick because he's extremely popular and on national television every week. So that makes it's a tougher question now. How yeah, do you, how do you pick somebody off the grid? Yeah. Samiri. I'm a big Natsu Sumire fan. Even I, is is Death Yamasan a comedy character? Yeah, she's, I don't, she's a comedy character. I wouldn't call her a yeah. comedy wrestler. Yeah, right. yeah. it's kind of like Orange Cassidy. Arguments. Yeah, it's kind of like how <laughs> yeah. Orange Cassidy is. Like I think she has that kind of role of she is a comedy character, but wrestling wise isn't necessarily like yeah. comedy. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, Sumire. I'm trying to think of other wrestlers I find funny. Like, wrestling comedy, for the most part, just doesn't rate with me. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I decided to go down <laughs> that road, but there I went. Okay, I get... Hyper Masao. Hyper Masao's great. Uh, Mike, I think it's your your turn to uh, delete something. Yeah, and by and large, I found this to be, like, a really enjoyable episode. So my delete is really splitting hairs, but it was something that I've pointed out before, and... Given what the rest of the footage was that they used, I felt like I was like, come on. And this is kind of two things. So the first thing is they constantly repeat stuff from Road 2s. Like, they pretty much replayed the entire whole thing with uh, Cody and Sean Spears. There was, like, an extra thing in there, but it was very, 
it was very opaquely that they were just having that there just because they needed to fill time. And then also like the Excalibur, uh, I didn't have this in notes, but the other thing like this, like some of these out, some of these like interstitial things, like the Excalibur doing the rankings thing and, and like doing it in a very kind of droll voice was just like Excalibur man, like this, if I didn't know you were Excalibur, I'd be like, is this guy sick or something? But uh, yeah, I, I didn't dig like those. I thought a lot of the Out of the Ring stuff, this episode was really strong, but those two on a pretty good episode kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, I think I just have to give them a pass because they've taped so much and you got to stretch it out for as many weeks as you can at this point. So I, I can't really fault them for plugging that stuff in where it's, where it's useful and where they need to buy time at this point. The... Excalibur thing was bad though. Like I, I wrote in my notes, he sounded like he was trying to not wake up someone in the next room. Oh yeah, it definitely felt like that. He had like put the baby down and knew he had to finish this thing. <laughs> it is. Do you, I mean he must have a home recording setup, wouldn't he? Maybe not. I mean he did the commentary on the BTE also, and it sounded the same way. Like he was just using whatever cheap microphone. But yeah, suppose uh, suppose he just wasn't anticipating doing this segment for television from his home. All right, I got a weird delete, folks. Are you ready for this? I don't think you are. I can't even remember who it was, actually, last night that did this. But it's a, it's a scary theme, pattern, I'm seeing in pro wrestling. And here's what it is. It's, it's male wrestlers who shave their stomach but don't shave their chest. Why? I used to see Tim Thatcher do this. I thought it was weird. Aiden English used to do it. Very weird. But why? It's Lance Archer. It was Lance Archer on this show. You leave all the chest hair on the chest. Maybe you trim it. But you leave all the chest hair on the chest, but shave the stomach completely? It's stomach a weird fucking weird. look. I, stomach hair is weird. I didn't notice this. I, it, I mean, Boy, my, did I. my initial uh, reaction is, I would think it makes sense for Aiden English because it seems like a very old school masculinity kind of thing like oh i got a hairy chest but then wrestling you have to show off your physique so you want to see the abs or whatever that's my it kind of computes in that way like oh you know i'm my character is masculine so i'm gonna have a hairy chest but i want to show off my abs also but it looks weird it's like i mean you can't do this but it, you at least need like a fade you know it's like <laughs> hairy chest and then there's like a line completely hairless stomach hmm <laughs> Just strange to me. Hadn't noticed. Well, look for it. Keep keep on the lookout for this. You'll notice. Okay. I need some... What I really want is for uh, some people who are attracted to men to tell me whether they think this is a, a good or bad look. I gotta know. I think it's entirely understandable. I mean, like, the chest hair on the pecs, like, that's something maybe traditionally, like, you see a lot of, but, like, the happy trail, like, no... Like, it's kind of like a thing that you... Or he's usually made fun of, so you just take care of it. Like, I, I see the rationale behind it. Well, I want to hear from people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, call the action. I, I, call the action. I want to see all the, uh, <laughs> everyone going at Aaron like the car. And yeah. I want to see, I, I want to hear about Aaron's mentions just filled up about body grooming advice. I feel like this needs Please to Please do. But be, to be clear, I'm only interested in hearing from people who are attracted to men. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want anybody, you know, this, I don't want to hear more of me and, and uh, Mike and Nate talking about this issue. I might do a whole podcast series just about this, you know, just talking to people and get their thoughts on it. 
Okay, that's that's my delete uh, for the week. Honestly, it was a pretty good show, so there wasn't a ton that I really disliked. There was one thing that I'm concerned about, but we'll get to that in the show. Ratings for this week, weird. A weird week for ratings. AEW up slightly to 692,000 from 685. They were also up uh, 0.01 in the demo to a 0.26, and that was good for 32nd in the demo. NXT has, uh, they were up over 100,000 viewers, up to 693, so just barely above AEW in total viewers, but a 0.19 in the demo, which was up 0.04 for them, and good for 51st. Okay, so if anyone tells you that NXT won the week and that that should be the big story here, immediately delete what they're saying and remove them from your lives. Because this was a takeover. Like, to my understanding, they've basically broke up the takeovers and placed them throughout several weeks that they had. And it only resulted in a point oh four four hundredths of a point jump and 103,000 people who watched. So... What does that tell you? What it tells me is that a lot of the NXT olds must really like watching wives punch their husbands and junks in wrestling matches and good for them. But yeah, I mean, it's a weird time. People don't want to be reminded of what's going on right now. And I think that it's not necessarily something that I would call like the law of COVID-19 pandemic, but I think that we're starting to see more and more evidence that that is the case. This is also just like some people coming back to NXT who weren't watching, I think, because if you... If you look back through here, you were getting about 1.4, 1.5 million. In the past couple of weeks, it's been closer to 1.2, uh, and it was down below that last week. So I think some people who just hadn't been watching NXT came back to watch. Maybe it's a WrestleMania bump. I don't know, but uh, they came back. But yeah, I think people just don't want to watch this shit right now. There was like a theory that maybe people would would uh, come to it because there was nothing else on, but that's just that's not true. Yeah, people are watching news, and it's weird. The shows are a constant reminder of everything being weird. Maybe it does give some credence to the idea that wrestling is particularly attractive as a live show, because all these shows are, of course, not live, the AEW shows, uh, and they're taped. And so, you know, maybe that supports the whole theory of television networks throwing money at these shows. Like, hey, it's live, so people will want to watch it live. Um yeah, they did another another ladder match at NXT. So it's kind of like, oh, you know, they had a big show. They promoted all these big matches. AEW just had, like, the Cody match being promoted. But on the other hand, it's like, well, NXT does a ladder match every week. So how much does it really matter? I'm interested to see what the viewership, and I don't even have a baseline, but I'm interested to see, are a lot of people going to watch this NBA horse event that's going to be on Sunday? I assume people are going to flock to it. But it would also be a reminder of the weirdness that's going on, right? So I find that confusing. I, I think it's something that the things that have succeeded have been the comfort shows, the news, and the things that are an accurate enough like simulation of what it is. Like the big thing in racing is everyone seems to love the esports racing stuff. Like the esports racing stuff has gotten huge ratings enough that now they're not even just doing like stuff with NASCAR drivers, they're doing stuff with like sprint cars. Like, they like it that much. So, is this going to be enough of a uh, experience to remind people of what it is? Maybe. And I think that's going to be really riveting. Also worth noting that instead of, like, Turner picking up more programming and stuff like this, they're kind of keeping on with what they're doing. Whereas ESPN is, like, basically, if you are an eSport, you're getting on ESPN right now. And I think that's kind of fascinating. 
All right, let's go down what happened on Dynamite this week. I'm sure Nate was excited when the show opened with Jake Roberts for a promo. I, He's on a video. So I was not excited when this came on. They're going to call me out directly. But I did think it was <laughs> it was one of his better promos. And I do really like framing the show this way. It just gave it a different feel. And I like, you know, when they mix things up and, and make it feel a little bit fresh and unique off the top and not like it's the same thing popping out of a can every single week. That's something I thought they, I mean, it's been harder lately, but I thought that's something they did a good job with throughout the early run of this show was making it a little different from the start each week to, you know, WWE was doing the 20 minute promos for years to start their show. So it was nice to have different stuff. Jake says, my history will not be my destiny, which is sort of concerning now that he's tweeting about uh, being depressed and being alone and he's worried about himself. So now I'm concerned about Jake. He says, would you hop in front of a train? Would you jump out of an airplane without a parachute? Would you stand in the ring with Lance Archer and think you have a prayer of winning? All three things end up in the same place. He like vaguely starts to give Marco props for showing up. He's like, I know, you you knew no one else would want to do that. Uh, You wanted to step up and prove you're a man, but you were an idiot. Well, just put him over, Jake. Come on, bud. And then he says, uh, suggest that maybe Cody's going to lose to Sean Spears intentionally, make it look accidental so that he doesn't have to face Lance Archer. Uh, he says, are you a man or a mouse? And this was absolutely the point where uh, my theory went out the window and I knew Jake would not have said this if Cody was actually going to lose this match. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I thought this was one of Jake's better promos like since like the first one. I feel like that the, between this and Road 2, he's been better at it. It's been less weird and somewhat misogynistic what he's been doing promos about. And, he's, and I think that this has been one of the more solid ones he did. All right, then we had, we found out Chris Jericho was going to be on commentary, which we knew coming in, but then we, we kind of hear him on the screen, see him there. They started off with Lance Archer defeating Alan something. Jericho said his name like three different ways during the match. I wrote down Eagleson, maybe, but they didn't give us a graphic or anything. So I apologize to, to Alan if you're listening. Uh, well, just shoot us your name and we'll, we'll shout you out next week. Archer won with the blackout, of course. Really enjoyed Jericho on this show. He was like fully inhabiting his, you know, obnoxious, uh, egotistical heel character, but like still was regularly getting hyped up and excited about things and really kind of matched Tony's role. And like they both would uh, see something new in wrestling happen in front of them or like, you know, make some reference that popped the other one. And just you could hear them having fun or, you know, finding a little bit of joy in that. So. Really, uh, really was a highlight, and in a lot of other circumstances, maybe having Chris Jericho be the heel commentator for the entire show doesn't work. But in these circumstances, where it's like you need somebody that's going to bring the energy because there's no fans, there's no crowd, it's like he's really going to be the focal point of a lot of your listening. Uh, it, it worked really well. Next up was the aforementioned Hikaru Shida defeating Britt Baker with her running knee strike. I know we talked about this uh, a little bit, but it was it was very good. It kind of fell apart in the middle a little bit. They had a few issues, and then I thought they kind of stumbled to the finish at the end. But other than like everything else around that, this was a decently long match. was really good. Obviously, the accidental blood was very good. Britt is at, here's the thing positively that I will say about Britt is that she really is starting to understand the character in a way that she can emote in the ring in a way that makes sense and ties everything together. And she's Feels like she's starting to inhabit the character in a way she hadn't before. So I thought it was it was positive for everybody. 
Yeah, and then, you know, when they did this promo later, like, just the expressions and her attitude makes it all feel real. It doesn't feel like she's putting on a heel character. You can, like, feel a little bit of her, you know, she channeled some of the anger she got at being bust open or whatever it was, and you could just sort of feel that, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is, snarky or catty or whatever, that part of the, the, the heel character there. I also really liked the spot where she took the ref's glove for the blood and used it to apply her finisher. I can't imagine that was planned, right? It had to be an improv. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, it also just makes sense because of the whole fucking sanitary virus situation. So that amused me. Yeah, I really feel like the little things that Britt did in this match really lend credence to what Nate's saying about her like inhabiting the character. Like, the fact that she did like a very small-looking Famouser and immediately started taunting Billy Gunn from ringside, which... One thing that would have not necessarily been an elite or delete, but I wanted to shout Austin Gunn seemed to be having the time of his life tonight or last night. He seemed to be like during the taping, he was the person that was most up and most down for everything. I think he was wearing a Karashita's ring jacket during the match, and he just seemed like he was having an absolute delight. But it's interesting, like the little things that she's picking up, at least with the bread, or is it comfort or is it things finally coming together? And it just seems like. There is a natural awkwardness that I think is always going to be there with her just because of wrestling scene, how much she wrestled before hitting the stage. Like, I have a big theory about how, how much people should try to wrestle when they're early in their career, and it did not happen to her, obviously, because of the whole dental school thing. But if she has enough character to make up for it, I'm willing to overlook, like, clunkiness as long as it works in the ring, and it seems to be working. Yeah, early on I said... You know, my big point of contention was that it just didn't feel authentic in any way, what she was doing. And I thought there was like other ways to go with her that could have felt more authentic. But she seems to have found some confidence in the character and maybe found some little part of her somewhere that she can draw on, which is really all you need. And you, if you can just hit that in and, and turn that up, then that can work. Yeah. And I, you know, her the initial reaction to her in this promotion was not super positive. So it's easy to take that. And, you know, let her haters be her motivators. Be like, well, now I'm fucking pissed off because all these people are rude to me on Twitter or whatever. So I'm going to, you know, when I cut a heel promo on the fans, I'm going to kind of mean it. Uh, also, her, her talking to Tony directly through the camera, also very funny because they have very funny interplay. Also, she's good on Twitter. What the fuck? You seen her replies? She's good now. No, can't, can't say I have. She's, uh, you know, if anybody makes a funny viral AEW tweet, one of the other wrestlers or whatever, you know. 40% chance Britt's going to be in the replies saying something funny. Nate, speaking of Twitter, what's up with you retweeting the fake AEW Unrestricted podcast? <laughs> um, I just feel like we have a responsibility to our followers to give them all sides of the argument. You know, we don't want to give them uh, a, a regimented and hand down our word like it's the word of God. You know, they, they should be open to... To other ideas so they can, you know, have us battle that with them in the marketplace of ideas and uh, we'll be proven correct, of course, in the end. I don't think so. I think we do want them to take our word as gospel. Yeah, I mean, I issued a press release today for no good reason. Like, this is exactly the exact opposite of how I believe, like, our Twitter presence should be. Yeah, um, you know, I just, honestly, what it is, I just want the appearance of being fair and balanced, I, you know, so we can point at that and people are like, oh... You know, you guys are the AEW haters. You guys are too negative, constantly burying them. I can say, look, we retweeted the tweeted the podcast. We're actually we like it a little bit. Mm. I was I was disappointed. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I can live with Next that. Next up. 
a lot of people can live with my disappointment. So that's no surprise. Thriving with Aaron's disappointment. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I had, uh, oh, never mind. It's been a weird, weird day for me. Okay. I'm going to leave it at that. Kenny Omega, Michael Nakazawa, they're talking backstage. They're in a uh, what looks to be like a camper, which I think they're using for uh, for locker rooms in, in this era of AEW. Did you guys ever uh, have one of those classrooms like in a trailer because they didn't have enough, enough room in the school? Yeah, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I went to elementary school in Eastern Kentucky, of okay. course. Yeah, I had a, I had a feeling. Uh, I went to <laughs> elementary school in, uh, in Virginia also, so I was like, oh, you we're all sort of Southerners down there. I, yeah, definitely. I think uh, second grade had the outdoor trailer classroom. Mm-hmm. I, it was a science class that I had. I, th- I think it was like a computer room. They had like, you know, this mm-hmm. was computers were vaguely new for like the school having a whole room full of computers you could go use, you know. Yeah, Apple IIEs. That almost suggests sure. there was not a you know huge budgetary problem. <laughs> they had, had a bunch of computers but had to put them in a trailer. Well... You know, when those apples came out, they were, I mean, they were giving them away when they first were trying to get uh, apples integrated into schools. Did you guys ever play green globs on those things? I don't recall that. No. Okay. I was a big math blaster person. Math blaster. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the typing games. I mean, of course, Oregon Trail, because that's how things are when you're a kid yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. But like green globs, no, there was like this crazy reading game that I remember that was like almost like an RPG reading game that... I've been trying to figure out it was done by the same company that did Math Blaster, and it was tight. Like, you went up a mountain, and, like, reading comprehensions, you get, like, gems and things like that. Oh, I do remember a game where yeah. you'd go up a mountain, and you'd have a net, and you'd have to, like, catch fairies or something in a net. This... Yes, I remember that game. This was that game, okay. I think. Yeah, I do remember this. Something Mountain. Treasure Mountain. Something like this. Was it Journey Up Treasure Mountain? Something, it's definitely in the right ballpark. I'm going to have All to right. look that up. Right? That was a big... It's kind of one of those big nostalgia rushes. Green Globs was like a, what is it? Uh, it, it? It would give you a graph, you know, x x axis, y axis, and you'd have to do sines or cosines or tangents, you know, uh, to to draw a graph on the screen and hit all the green globs. Anyway, go on. That sounds awful. I just looked up the game. It is called Super Solvers Treasure Mountain. Treasure Super Solvers mm. Treasure Mountain nailed it. My, uh, so the re- I distinctly remember Green Globs because in math class one time, we were all playing Green Globs as our math activity for learning sine, cosine, graphs, whatever the fuck it was. Uh, and my, my friend to the right of me got a high score on it. He got like the high score on the whole network. You know, it, it puts a high score on there and it shows on all the computers. And I reached over and mashed on all of his keys. And in doing this, I spelled out ass. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're so fucked. I spelled, I put a curse word on there. <laughs> Uh, never got in trouble for it, but that was a very, you know, this is the kind of things you worry about in elementary school or whatever. You're like, Oh my God, I put the, I'm going to get in fake trouble because I accidentally mashed a curse word. That's good. Nate Laura for you folks. So Kenny Omega, Michael Nakazawa, they're talking, what should our, they're going to have a tag match later. They're asking what their tag team name should be. Nakazawa says, how about the best friends? And Kenny, you know, it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. I think there's already a team like that. Orange Cassidy is in the bathroom of the camper. He, he walks out. He's heard everything they said. The best friends walk in the front door. They've also heard everything. And the two teams decide that the match later tonight will be to decide who gets to use the name best friends. 
great stipulation, really in my wheelhouse. I come from a background of having a lot of name versus name matches in my wrestling, so I appreciated that they were appealing directly to me. It was as if they reached out to the screen and said, hey, Mike, you're our pal. Here's a match stipulation for you. I, I was accused on Twitter of that I would do a rant about how much I hated this, but I don't know. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Uh, I hate to disappoint the listeners. It was, it was cute. I was, so they, they do the bit in this match where they do the, the mini skirt police thing and they do Charlie's angels poses. Right. Yeah. Is that not their Was that not their tag team name before? Do they never have a tag team name before? Is that. Okay. I'm not a DDT historian. Right. I really I mean, don't know. I was just like, wait, wouldn't they already have a name? It's surprising that they wouldn't have a name by this stage. I'm sure they did. I loved in this, well, we haven't gotten to the match yet, but I loved when Tony Schiavone, of all people, is like, oh, Kenny Omega and uh, Trent used to be a tag team. And Jericho's like, really? It's something that just really blew his mind. It was him, him, yeah, men of low moral fiber. Right. Chuck and him, yeah. All right, Chuck, sorry. Yeah, that was uh, definitely something Tony picked up from Excalibur or whatever. But yeah, that's the sort of like... Jericho was, you know, also encountering some of these things for the first time or whatever, or showing off his new pro wrestling fandom, um, having gotten out of the WWE bubble. It is, that's one of the underrated thrills of this promotion is, you know, having Chris Jericho give uh, Sugar Dunkerton a new name, and that's just his name now. <laughs> like, it's still like, oh, yeah, this is like a whole generation of the indies is being elevated now because of AEW. It, it, it's something that also. I felt this more with Jericho commentary and something we didn't really talk about earlier. Jericho was willing to shut out everyone's back history, like to a level that not necessarily you would see Tony and JR and Excalibur do, like talking about even stuff like about a lot of New Japan was mentioned here, especially at a a time where, I mean, Jericho does have the contract that lets him go do New Japan stuff, so it's not like they can do anything to stop him, but I thought like that was kind of interesting. Talking about ddt like it was a very much like acknowledging like we are in the greater wrestling world these things happen and seeing that come from like chris jericho of all people is still one of those like very bizarre but not in a bad way it's like chris jericho is someone who keeps tabs on the rest of the wrestling world of which you'd expect someone like chris jericho wouldn't it was kind of refreshing like that next we saw a video promo for the young bucks book which had some very poor voiceovers i thought yeah not nick (laughs) not nick's best (laughs) <laughs> uh, role here. They put this on every episode of BTE now, so this was one um, where I felt Mike's complaint that it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't actually need to see this again. And they now they should have done this. They should have inverted these because then they did Excalibur doing the ratings report. And if they had done this first, the Mike and the Mike and the Mike, the Matt and Nick voiceovers would have sounded a lot better by comparison. Then we got a a video building up the uh, the mocks. Uh, Jake Hager feud and match. We got Box saying, me and Jake Hager are not in the business of putting smiles on people's faces. This is going to be ugly and violent. Jake Hager says, he's not trying to be a hero. He's trying to make zeros. Great Jake Hager line. And then we see uh, Jake Hager's wife, Catalina. And she tells us, if Jake doesn't come home a winner, he doesn't come home at all. That was a funny line. I like that. That, that gives you a real a real window into their relationship. And, uh, you know, a whole new depth that I never would have imagined for Jake Hager. I thought this was, like, a great segment for Jake Hager. Like, he's usually someone who's so, like, wooden doing lines. But maybe it is, like, with his wife as a part of it. He's doing fight camp stuff. I thought this was, like, a really, like, strong point of him. I mean... 
I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm trying to make zeros. That's a great line. Like that's an all timer line in my mind. So I thought that this was a great piece of uh, footage. I, um, the other, Oh, they also put over, Oh, you know, this wasn't public, but I had a Bellator fight coming up. So I've been training for this Bellator fight. Very funny for that to coexist with the tag team match about taking the best friend's name, which ends in a, you know, uh, jockstrap stink face. Like, that's sort of the, you kind of get some cognitive dissonance when you're like, oh, this is a real MMA fighter, and he's in the same wrestling promotion as uh, Ultimate Venom Arm. That's fair. That's fair. They've, like, they fucked around and, and gotten me to just be excited for this match and, like, literally think that it's going to be good, which I know I've done this before when it comes to Jake Hager, but I'm, but I'm back! I mean, I'm stoked about it because I have been very this was very entertaining i hoping somehow we get more catalita hager in the promotion because i thought that she was really kind of a nice i i feel like having her like in that one match at revolution kind of like made her as like almost a character in this but she was great in these things and just like the idea and the dynamic there i think is very interesting i think it's a very kind of interesting and cool dynamic that I'm I'm excited for this match. I think it could be real interesting. Uh, this could border on cinematic wrestling, yeah, because the match has been shot. Dave said he heard the match was really good, but I have to imagine with Moxley and Hager, it's going to be a a, a walk and brawl, possibly around the arena and shit. Like, do we really think they're going to go straight ahead match in the ring? I kind of suspect they won't. So we'll have to see how much you know uh, uh, wandering they do. Well, we also know that Jim Ross called the match. So we'll, we'll get JR back on commentary for, for one match only, which honestly is like what we've been saying they should do with him. Just kind of pull him out for the for the big matches. You know, this is a title match. So that'll, maybe this is uh, Tony's way of trying this out. See if it works. Next is when we got the Cody Sean Spears uh, Road 2 video. Then we saw the match where we talked about the best friends defeating Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. They can continue to be the best friends, Trent pinned Nakazawa with strong zero. Then we got another Brody Lee video. He pulls up in his vehicle. Uh, a woman puts his blazer on him after he gets out of the car. The creepers are there waiting for him. Their clothes are wrinkly. Two of them have like athletic type shirts on. One guy's they, got they, on. They were kind of track suits. Let's call a spade a spade. This was an they, assault on me. <laughs> those were not track suits, Mike. Okay, good. Then it wasn't assault on me. Then I loved it. Okay. Uh, one guy has on a button-up and tie. Very funny for, I mean, this is maybe just a me thing, but it's also just objectively true. A black dress shirt is bad. Don't wear a black dress shirt. But especially, if you're going to wear a black dress shirt, you have to have a black tie on. You can't wear a black dress shirt with a colored tie. You look like a fuck. It's a you thing, man. No, it's, I'm, it's not. No, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with him no, on no, this. No, that, you, that's fine. Um, I'm not saying that's unique to you, but it is something I would never care about. I'm just saying that this guy does like the guy in the black shirt and the gold tie doesn't look any better or classier than the guys in the athletic shirts. It's like a similarly like goofy ass look. Okay. I mean, it looks like someone about to hit the club. Like that's like a club look that I feel like is. It, it looks like a guy who's 19 and nobody right. ever taught him how to dress, and he thinks this is the way you put on a shirt and tie. But really, uh, you look dumb. You look bad. And, and just don't wear shirts and ties without jackets or waistcoats. Yes. Just in general. Never. You, well, welcome to no, AB not, and Mai's menswear no, podcast. We're not turning this into the real shooter hours. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Very funny. Okay. Brody says, what do you think people see when they look at you in the airport? Well, nobody. they think, why the fuck are you traveling right now, buddy? That's what they think. Do you think it's power? Brody says he's here to make everyone's life excellent. Give them unlimited power, unlimited success. Get your act together and show me that you want it. And then he grabs the tie guy and says, I have an opportunity for you. And they walk off. They walk into the building, actually. That's what happens. Great, seg- great segment. I mean, I thought... I love Brody, Mr. Brody Lee as a character. I mean, for someone who didn't do as many promos as you would think, I thought he was, I thought this was a kind of an amusing thing. I know they're still cribbing on what they're cribbing on, but I think that this could have had a very short lifespan, like of only working once and then it kind of turns off. But I think that they have had some longevity with this bit. And I think that Brody, like he's going to be upper mid Carter, but he's interesting. And I think that's as well as anyone could hope for for this. I kind of think this would be going better. If they just abandoned the whole Dark Order thing and brought him in to do this, but with somehow different. He can still have his underlings and whatnot. But I think the Dark Order thing and how much people didn't like that taints what Brody is doing. I feel like those two things could have been divorced. They could have. Yeah, they could have. (laughs) And, you know, he was playing from a handicap because, uh, you know, people were predisposed to not liking the Dark Order. Yes. Um, But... I think we turned the corner on the Dark Order, and I like this aspect of it. You know, this character computes as the top of a evil organization kind of thing. So, you know, I don't object to it now. The ma- I mean, they still all look like putties. The masks are still a goofy aesthetic. Um, that could be improved on. Well, and part of the goofy aesthetic has been the, like, Under Armour shirts and... and- athleisure pants so maybe this is going to be part of cleaning all that up and they'll look better so that would be good this is where the brit backstage interview occurs she's got the blood dried on her face she says sheeta is a dirty wrestler she's lucky she didn't touch my teeth but even if she did i could fix them because i'm a dentist yeah fucking in your face viewers (laughs) at home eat that shit then we got another mox hager video this one a little heavier on highlighting his MMA career, but basically it was a lot like the first. It was just like they did two versions, couldn't decide which one to use. So they just, fuck it, let's put them both on. We're getting the real hard sell for this match. It felt like a UFC build. It felt like when you watch an MMA card and one of the fights ends in like the first round. So then they have to really fill time to get to the next fight, you know, like before the main event. So they run like three video packages before the main event starts. That's what this reminded me of. Yeah, like this felt like something out of like the UFC uh, uncensored or like the countdown specials, and I I like this kind of stuff when like they've it's a vein of storytelling that I think is not done very well in wrestling. But I think that this segment, I mean, we're talking ourselves into really getting excited about this Jake Hager match, and I don't know how I feel about this, seeing how right I was about the previous Jake Hager match. Then we got a Matt Hardy video. He says he's going to respond to Chris Jericho. He's in his like garage and the audio is just so bad it's uh the echo is really bad it's just like come on buddy you got lots of money we gotta figure out a way to record this somewhere where it's gonna sound better he says you've insulted my allies the elite let's look at who you surround yourself with i don't think i'm gonna repeat (laughs) the the, the one about sammy Guevara because i'm pretty confident it's problematic so i'm just gonna leave it alone i I mean there's a lot of problematic things in this promo 
He says, proud and powerful? More like loud and devourable. <laughs> That's like the biggest reach for a, for a rhyme. Like, and he, said he, he said he wanted to eat them. Right, well, devourable rhymes with powerful, so use that, yeah. And then he made a reference about a Puerto Rican food, and it just yeah, was like, dude. yeah, he's, Matt is, Matt has like too that. much leash. Yeah. yeah. Matt has too much leash in this promotion. He does have too much yeah. leash. And this is why I wanted him to be at the top of the Dark Order. Because he would have to adjust the character into the corporate weird setting. And he wouldn't be just right. be able to do the same broken shtick that he wanted to be doing. Right? Like, he, he would have to evolve getting. it. And he hasn't evolved it. He's doing whatever he wants. And we need him We need him to evolve it or put it in a box and some sort of creative constraints on there. So we don't just get pure unfiltered Matt Hardy. Which is what this promo was, <laughs> including the production values, which that's always been a thing with me and the whole deletion of the, the Matt Hardy extended universe thing. Like the production quality in this drives me insane. So He said, Jake Hager seems smart, but you have him brainwashed. I'm like, who has ever thought Jake Hager seems smart? Come on, Matt Hardy. Give me a break. You tried to recruit my most loyal soldier, Vanguard One. Never. Then he tells Vanguard to bring him his shirt, uh, and it's a Matt Hardy shirt, but he says, no, I don't want that one. I want the Jericho shirt. And Vanguard says, the shirt is fire. Can't believe I'm having to say See, this. I, but, on, uh, but again, Vanguard one was the highlight of the segment, even though it was like goofy. I mean, Vanguard one might be the best part of this entire angle now. So, And I hate the segment because they didn't have Chris Jericho arguing with a droid, a drone for five minutes. So, yeah. And then Vanguard 1 clarifies that he meant a dumpster fire. And Matt Hardy closes this by challenging Chris Jericho to the elite deletion at the Hardy compound. So folks, whatever weird... Uh, uh, what sort of want? Uh, fuck. This is... Whatever weird... Whatever weird way that Nate wants to describe cinematic wrestling. This is actually going to be what people think of as cinematic wrestling, and it's terrifying. Yeah, it could be bad. Uh, we'll see. Jericho might go in there and just be like, no, I'm not doing that, and they might tighten it up. That's you know? true. Yeah. Jericho could be the saving grace of this because Jericho does have complete control over himself and influence on others. He could be like, nah, we're just going to do a thing where like, I argue with this drone and I want to attack the drone. And that would be incredible. Jericho's going to be like, no, Matt, you, you do the camera. Me and Vanguard One got this. We're just going to, we'll carry these 20 minutes of the show. I would be, the, that would be my favorite 20 minutes of this. If somehow you can get El Lindemann involved in this, this would be my, <laughs> my favorite 20 minutes of this promotion if that happens. Brody Lee came out for a match after this. He defeated Lee Johnson, who we saw on Dark this past week. Brody won with the spinning discus lariat. This was different gear, right? This is his third set of gear. Okay, why can't he just like tone down the gear and do something that's like corporate looking? Because they're still a spooky cult, remember? This is whole like I mean, how much do you know about uh about like Scientology? Like there's there's this levels to this. I'm gonna defend. I know this. a lot about Scientology. I did a speech we used on to Scientology have... in, in college, my public speaking course. That was my okay. uh, my I don't remember what, you know, what the assignment was, like persuasive presentation or whatever, but I did Scientology. I mean, like, I, I feel like that they're going to try to have him like L. Ron Hubbard like in this. Like, so he has like the, 
you have like the the clean like business kind of thing and then behind it you have the spookiness like just like scientology yeah but then his public facing costume should not be the spooky part it should be the 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 corporate part well did you ever see photos of l ron hubbard on this wherever that that boat boat, is that like he oh yeah yeah where he had like a full nautical yes yes that would be funny what refer to him as the the admiral what brody lee what the dark order needs is a tom cruise character it's got to be like who could be it should be like marco they should have, if they, had, if they had managed to steal Marco from Jurassic Express, that would have been great if he was just like their Tom Cruise. I could get into this. I right? could really get into this. Yeah. There's yeah. Yeah. There. Give... Is, is Brody married? Yes. Yeah. Brody has kids. Well, he's going to have to disappear his wife, unfortunately, Ooh. to really play this out. Oh. They murder people. Yeah. She's going to have to be locked on a ship for 10 years or whatever. Yeah, nobody's seen her in like twenty years. Yeah, they did like a, uh, a allegedly there was a big Leah Remini called the police for to find Shelley Miscavige, and they said they saw her on one of the bases in like the middle of like the Inland Empire, but no one saw photos of her. So she's alive apparently. Fake. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good odds. Uh, yeah. Do not. Uh, this is why I'm glad I never used my real last name on this podcast in case any. Uh, you know, I'm not a suppressive person. Please do not uh, come to my home, Scientologist. Wait, do you have fa- uh, Scientologist family members? No, but you know, if they've identified you as a po- as a suppressive person in the media, then they'll harass you. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about something off air. Okay, excellent. Can't wait. Uh, there was another Cody Sean Spears video, kind of just recapping their feud. If you if you'd forgotten about everything that builds up to their, their pay-per-view match. And then we got the first round of the TNT Championship Tournament. Cody defeats Sean Spears with a figure four, but it was a pinfall. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sean Spears was trying to lay back because that's how you're supposed to like alleviate the tension and the pressure of it, and he didn't notice that Aubrey counted three on it. Best part he of couldn't the hear the counting or, or feel it slapping the fucking He mat? was in too much pain. He was no, in too much pain. This was match. dumb as fuck. Best this was stupid as shit. I the hated match. it. This is, I mean, how many times? Dumb. How many times in WCW did they do the figure four? Ric Flair would have somebody in the figure four. And they leaned back and they'd go and count the pen. They would never, ever, ever get it. And this whole, this just justified, retroactively justified like ten years of Ric Flair false finishes that they would bother to count the the pinfall on a figure four because it actually can work. Somebody can with it. This was your, you know, your thrice yearly New Japan countout finish just to legitimize the countout finish. This uh, Cody right here doing work to, uh, you know, retroactively make Ric Flair even better. And I just love that Sean Spears is like lost. Just, you know, he just fucking lost. That's the correct thing that he should be doing. We don't need them to try and be convincing us that he's a, you know, up and coming guy who's going to be a star or whatever. He's just not as good as Cody. And you now have the perspective Cody versus Darby or Cody versus Sammy Guevara for the the winner will become the winner of the Jack Whitehall Regional. I mean, like this is makes perfect sense. I, I don't I don't hate the idea of the finish. It's just it wasn't built up to a point where it made any sense in the scheme of the match that he was like he was so if they had worked his leg the whole match and he's like 
limping around and barely, and then you sell this figure four for long enough that he's like, ah, oh, whatever, that's fine. But this was just like, he started shaking his hands, which looked really dumb. I just hated it. I hated it. You know, uh, so I, 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 the the sort of like the twitching or whatever that he did, that does bother me when a lot of people do it. Um, I, I actually thought it was toned down enough here that it kind of worked. It did. I do. It kind of kind of feel like a flat finish for the end of your main event on television show. Uh, again, a problem that would have been ameliorated by putting the best match in the main event, which of course was the Britt Baker match. Um, but they're just scared to do that. So they're scared to win. Like you put Britt Baker in the main event, we don't even have to have this whole like low ratings thing about people say like, oh, NXT had more ratings. It, it would have won the show. Like they would have had a million people, and I mean, it would have been amazing. So yeah, Nate's entirely right on Thank this. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Tony, stop being scared of success. I saw a lot of people really like this match, and I, I was not one of those people. Did you guys? I thought it was better than the last this one. Match? Yeah, it was better than the yeah. last one, but well, it was fine. I thought it was fine. I went three on this. I give it a gentleman's three. I liked the first. I think I was the only person in the world who liked the first match. Well, there we go. Boom. Yeah. We figured this out. Yeah, yeah. It and just you, was like you, one of those. You were just won over by Arn Anderson coming out. So that's not even. <laughs> yeah. That did work for me a lot. I, I was standing right next to you. I saw how you reacted during Arn Anderson appearing. And to be fair, that's also like how I am when like. I'm trying to think of like. Lindemann. If. El Lindemann, yes, I mean, exactly. El well, when I was at Double or Nothing and El Lindemann came out, I pretty much was, like, jumping up and down and clapping out of sheer joy to see the special boy show up. But, yeah, no, this is, like, the thing that got me, and I wanted your y'all's opinion, since I watched this so divorced from, like, engagement and context today, what was your thoughts about them, like, talking about, okay, this is playoff hockey, like, Jericho made the line about playoff hockey and that we're not going to disqualify people here. We're going to let things go a little bit more because we want to have a decision. Because I thought that, there is an extent to do that, and then there is setting people up on barricades and going through tables, and I thought that that was stretching it a little bit, like, especially in a, in a promotion where DQs are so rare, like, this felt like one of the more egregious stretchings of a DQ. I think the barricades are legal, just because they're already out there. I don't really have a justification for that, but it didn't bother, you know, so many of these things are just like, in the moment, did that bother me or did it not? That didn't really bother me. The table does seem like it crosses whatever that threshold is into where now it's you're, you're breaking a rule or something. Yeah, but the way they did the table was that he didn't throw him in. He didn't put him through the table. It like happened off of a move later yeah. in the match or whatever. Kind of like with uh, Kenny versus Okada, where he went right. through the table much later. It yeah. just was something that like I normally wouldn't have registered it unless Jericho made that big point about it being like the playoffs and we don't want to do buys here, which is kind of funny in this company that has had some really weird tournaments so far. Yeah, I mean, I do. That's a good justification to protect the referees a little bit and just be like, hey, you know, if she doesn't want to throw out the match, it's our main event, shit. Um, you know, certainly prefer that to JR's kind of trying to do the same thing when he talks about the long tag count or whatever, but it just it comes off differently coming from him. Yeah, it, did, it didn't bother me in the moment, but like you said, once they started talking about it, I was like, well, wait a second. This really shouldn't be happening. <laughs> so maybe the, yeah. maybe instead of trying to justify it, you should just go on with your life and uh, not worry about it. I mean, trust that like your view, your listeners and your viewers' intelligence, like they understand the circumstances of, hey, this is a you're in a tournament to decide the first champion here. You don't want to just go like have like a DQ in the first match. So. I would definitely rather have them justify it just because we it might not have chafed us when they did it, but you know they're. 200 other thousand 
200,000, 400,000 other people that were like, well, that's illegal. So better to better to lampshade it. Yeah, I was just interested in that because since I wasn't around last night, I wanted I wanted to know what y'all's thoughts were because I didn't see them. Uh, Well, first of all, read my tweets. Go back. Go through my whole timeline. Read every tweet that you've missed. I mean, I put you over today in a press release. <laughs> oh, was I? Should I read that? Was I mentioned in that? No. Well, you didn't recommend okay. that I should buy seven tracksuits. I just want if I didn't want to not have read it and be mentioned in it because then I would feel bad. But since I wasn't, it's all good. Oh no, no, yeah, you're a good big nice. cat. <laughs> Wait, which one of us is big cat? <laughs> big cat is what I call like. It's a general phrase that yeah, I use for yeah, friends. I'm pretty I call sure you only call Aaron Bentley big cat on this show, which I just thought I was a Kentucky it. thing. Oh no! I would never make a cat's reference. Okay. I I can't do that in the Spears household. Right. I wouldn't be. Yeah. Hmm. I've, I've I've cards alums in my family. My speaking dad. Speaking of another eat. speaking of another place that that Mike uh, claims. <laughs> I never claimed Kentucky in my life. No, but you're, I've you're claiming Louisville right now. Yeah, my this parents are Louisville bullshit. <laughs> I say these things because I know that if. It, I, I want to make sure there's still a spot at me at the uh, Thanksgiving table this year. You know, if it, if I make if I go cats, then I get in trouble. So yeah. Well, you're gonna you're gonna be regretful when you need a spot at my Thanksgiving say, table. Go, my go, go, okay, okay. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I let you come, and the door will be locked. Hey, we have a Patreon. It's called <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/EverythingElite. I really would love for you to check it out. If you are curious, we put up. A one episode for free last week. It's called This Is Cody. It's a deep dive into Cody's whole career from OVW to AEW. Rich Creech from Voices of Wrestling joined me. It is completely free. You can just go to our Patreon, check it out for free. And if you like it, you can give us a subscription. We've got three tiers. $3 tier, $5 tier, $8 tier. All the things you get are explained on the website. Uh, last week, uh, or this week, on Monday, we had an episode of the Everything Elite Extended Universe with Kara and Nate, and it basically turned into a discussion of, like, what is wrestling and what is art, <laughs> but not as pretentious as it sounds. It was a fun conversation. I mean, it probably verged into pretentious, but it was, my, my attempt was to clarify that something being art does not fucking really mean anything, and it's not really a, a meaningful, uh, you know, denotation. So that was, that was my attempt, but yeah, it's, uh, might be somewhat relevant considering all the, uh, discourse about pre-tape matches. Oh yeah. It, it anticipated the Boneyard match. There's no doubt about that. And it, that hadn't happened yet when, when we recorded next week, I'm pretty sure I've got a special episode lined up for you, but I'm not going to jinx it until, <laughs> until it's been recorded and it's ready to go. So uh, but there'll be a good one up next week. Regardless, there'll be a good episode on Monday. We've got a few things in the can just in case. That's patreon.com slash everything elite. It's still early in the month, so you get a full month of value out of your subscription. No dark preview. April 15 from an undisclosed location. We're Several gonna... undisclosed locations. Oh, that's right. That's right. Boxley and Hager was filmed at Daly's Place, right? So. Mm-hmm. We got the the men's uh, world championship empty arena match. You know, very different from all the other matches they've had over the last several weeks. John Moxley will defend the title against Jake Hager. And then we'll get another quarterfinal match in the TNT Championship Tournament with Lance Archer taking on Colt Cabana. 
I don't have any clue what that match looks like, so I'm, I'm pretty curious. Both of these are kind of interesting matches to see how they go, because this empty arena match, they made a big deal about it being no holds barred, and impressions are that this actually ended up being a pretty strong match, so I'll be interested to see this. And then Archer versus Cabana, like, this is going to be something, and I'm excited to see what it is. This is good. My, my longstanding theory about Colt Cabana is that he is a more universal matchup than almost any other wrestler. There, like, there's not a wrestler out there that Colt Cabana doesn't match up well against. Like, he can do comedy. He can wrestle, you know, little guys in the spot fest. He can do catches, catch can, technical stuff with Zack Sabre or whatever. And he's deceptively big. So, like, he can stand next to Lance Archer and go toe-to-toe with him, and it doesn't look ridiculous. So, this is a sort of test of that theory. Only other no- There's not a lot of like news happening around AEW of late. We used to have a lot of little news and notes to talk about at the end of the show, but the, wor- the world's kind of stopped a little bit. Yeah, the, yeah, the wrestling world for sure has kind of stopped. So, but we do have this, as suggested on this very show, Anna J signed to All Elite Wrestling. A great pickup, smart move. Uh, thanks for listening, Tony. Yeah, good, okay. good pickup. You know, we all heard, I mean, her potential is obvious. So, you know, yeah. came from QT school, very natural addition, uh, you know, especially when they, you know, presumably taped a whole bunch right there. Like if she's going to be reappearing on these upcoming shows, may as well uh, get a little good PR out of uh, signing her to a deal. I've been kind of impressed by the people that from QT school who have shown up over the last few weeks because they've had these i i guess these people who have been students i know that some of them wrestle in in the greater georgia area i think one or two of them maybe showed up on nwa power but uh i've been kind of impressed by it it's definitely something that like you kind of see this and in a time where i think the north american especially united states and canada wrestling scene is very depleted it's very encouraging to see like people come out like okay you definitely have a lot of potentially ways to go there but i see what's going I, I can project out to see how you are, and I thought that Anna Jay was a pretty exciting match against Hikaru Shida last week, so I'm excited to see what this could lead to. And she was in the, the crowd at, the, uh, at last night's Dynamite, Wednesday night's Dynamite, so you can, I would expect to see her on Dark or maybe even on Dynamite in the coming weeks. Uh, I feel like we've talked about this or implied this as if everybody knows, but in case you don't know, they apparently have taped everything up to what would be double or nothing on May 23rd, if that can still happen. So everything else should be in the can. I think they, I think Vegas did get shut down through May. So if it's going to happen, then it would have to be like another taped on a remote location kind of situation. Yeah. I I don't know if it was Las Vegas that did, or if there's the MGM properties, but there was something that said that they are closed through Memorial day. So I know last week we were kind of saying, we don't think this is going to happen. Now we're, 90% 90% certain that it's not going to happen, at least in that fashion. So, But yeah, everything's taped up until that last show, or what was supposed to be that. I just don't think at the end of May we're going to be back into like having crowds no. of 10,000 people in buildings. No. I don't think, I think United States, I don't think we're looking until this late this summer, to be quite honest. Like, not to be a bummer. I mean, I've seen how, like, Korea, South Korea is one of the people that are like highest towards it and they're still talking about may for their baseball league and they they've been like the best country about response and treating it and they're still saying like yeah it's gonna be about a month i saw so. on south korean trains they have 
you know, the handles that you hold over your head if you're standing on the train. And then the handles rotate now and they disinfect themselves as you pull them through. It's like, it's like oh, you know, right. those hand towels where you pull it through and it's supposed to self-clean. They have those on their subway handles. They're fucking on top of shit, man. Wow. Must be, must be nice mean, to work in a, or to live in a functional state, huh? Must be nice. I mean, they treat esports how they should be treated. <laughs> they have a fun baseball league that's going to be playing games this year and not just some weird Arizonan, like, cult compound kind of thing. Like, have you, like, I know that, Nate, baseball, you hate baseball, but have either of you read, like, this idea of what they want to do for Major League Baseball? It is functionally yeah. insane. Yeah, it rules, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's real cult hours. It's, it's some real bullshit, but it's interesting. <laughs> Everybody has to live in the same place for like four and a half months. They're Playing gonna, like five games a day. Yeah, the umpires will just like be watching on video. Uh, uh, you can't use the dugouts. The players have to sit in the stands six feet apart. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no pitcher catcher meetings. No pitcher catcher meetings. Uh, they will be using high school stadiums potentially because they have to get all these games in. Like, well, here's you, my question: Can you can you hold the runner? I don't know. Like, that's a good, that's it's, interesting question. You got to yeah. get within six feet to hold the runner on base. Right. Yeah. I mean, can you tag? I mean, you know, there's a lot of problems with baseball and uh, not being able to get Agreed. with sports and and not being able to get within six feet of each other. This is why we need to support esports, and we need to look to our friends in South Korea who have. Figured it out. Yeah, they have they very good pop music out here. Great pop music. They have Great the films. best inter- the best internet in the world. They spent time to have like the fastest internet. They in the do. World. I we think they have a lot of uh, a, a fair amount of censorship on their internet. I will mention that. A lot of censorship and have been under a lot of different military. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're gonna have to take all this out. Uh, I, I forgot the uh, ad read we're supposed to do this week. Uh, this episode of Everything Elite sponsored. By the government of South Korea. Visit South Korea. Not now, but in a few months. Visit (laughs) South Korea. (laughs) All right, take all that other shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got in post. Okay, well, I think that's everything for this week. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. You can find it by our display name, which is Visit South Korea. Uh, I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, check out patreon.com slash everything elite. And, you know, stay home, stay far away from each other and wash your hands. That's it for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.